0: Good morning, NC. I'm glad to be here. It's great to be back in this room. It's been a while since I've been here, so it's great to see you again. Um, Any Spanish speakers in the room? Un poquito. Good. Any German speakers? Oh, there's one. Okay, great. Okay. French speakers? Okay. Okay. You know, maybe we can start to talk in different languages just to set the mood for today's sermon because languages will be in the spotlight this morning. We're in the middle of the series, wait, what? Bible stories for grown-ups. And today we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. So let's dive in, let's read the story. It is in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of, of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Which, by the way, sounds something like very good for me. It sounds pretty good. Like, ah, oh, this, this people is very united. They, they can communicate. This is something good for me. It's something good. But for some reason, in the Bible, uh, cities are not so good for for this culture. I will explain that later. Uh, So, come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel because there The Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So we will talk about language. And I have a few stories that I want to share with you about it. Fourteen years ago, I was in the middle of a music tour here in the States. I was part of an international team with people from Romania, Scotland... England, uh, and Chile of course, Hungary too, and at the end of the tour, everybody on the team got to know some words in Romanian, in English, and Scottish, which I know is English. It's English. Not for me. It's not for me. So eventually we had the chance to introduce ourselves to the audience first in our own language, and then in English. We did it first in our own language to add some international flavor to the performance, you know. Well, at the end of the tour, we mixed, and when, when I say we, I'm talking about the singers, we mixed uh, all the languages in the first part. Could you imagine me speaking in Romanian? Buona uh, diminiazza, como hay dormit? I'm Chile. I'm from Chile. I'm Mac Nathan, from Mac. Prost. And that was my thing. What I said is pretty much like Good morning. Uh, do you sleep well? Uh, my name is Cesar. I come from Chile. And I have pretty good friends like Nathan, Mac. They are very stupid, but they are my friends. <laughs> I did that. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I was young, I needed the money, I'm sorry. <laughs> Language is the door for, to communication. You can't build anything if you don't have some common codes to communicate. Language was one of my fears when I moved to Austin in 2019 especially for my children. I don't know if you know that kind of fear, that people will understand you or mock of you. They're doing great. My kids are doing great, way better than me. Language is something very important to define national identity and to cooperate with each other. We have been approaching this story... As an explanation for the different languages in the world. And for many of us, this story was factual and historically accurate. I remember, and probably you will remember too with me, this sort of advanced classes in church when itinerant preachers showed up maps starting from this point, the Tower of Babel. The flannel graph was full of arrows and showing family languages that we have today and it was an explanation and the explanation includes phrases like sophisticated phrases like evolution of the languages and we felt smart because we were using the word evolution a very very interesting word back in the day the Bible was right for us when we were able to offer these explanations and I still believe the Bible is right in many, many ways. But maybe we're not approaching its content in the best way. So let me give you some context for this story. So stay with me with this because this probably could be a lot of information. In the year 586 BC, the southern kingdom of Judah fell under the Neo-Babylonian Empire. The royal family, the priests, the warriors, and the members of the most important families in Jerusalem were deported to Babylon. The poor, the farmers, the sick and the lame stayed in Jerusalem, but every person with the potential to reorganize the nation was deported. So, those were times in which the superiority of a deity had to be demonstrated by the way that deity protects their territory. Yahweh, Yahweh, was the god of Judah. Marduk was the god of Babylon. And as you already know, Babylon defeated Judah. So the question was, was Marduk more powerful than Yahweh? The voice of the prophets made a twist in that understanding. And Jeremiah said in chapter 29 of his book that they were in exile because Yahweh put them in that position. He said, you will stay here long enough to see your children and the children of your children. They should stay for a long, long time in captivity. They entered captivity as Judahites. That's a demonym for the people from Judah. Judah. Judahites. But they left captivity as Jews. Their religion, the Judaism, Judaism, took form during that period. So it was, at least from the religious point of view, it was not entirely bad for the nation and their religious identity. During all that time, they were influenced by the religion and the culture of the empire. But It wasn't a plain transfer of culture. Actually, it was a cultural dialogue. They were exposed to the Atrahasis epic, the Hammurabi code, the Numaelish Elish myth, etc. And because of that, several people say today the Bible is a copy of those ancient myths. But they are wrong. It's not a copy. Judahites did not copy the stories. They dialogue with the stories, which is something very different, and then they create counter stories, their version of those stories, with their own vision, with their own political agenda, with their own theology. I love Dolly Parton. (laughs) That sounds very weird, right? I love Dolly Parton, but in... In world music history I will always love you will be remembered as a Whitney Houston song and nobody knows about the R&B duo the top notes and their song Twist and Shout the Beatles is the name that comes to our minds when we think of that song so Whitney and the Beatles did not just cover a song they put their souls into it and that changed the music landscape forever one of the greatest buildings the Judahites got to see in Babylon was a temple called Etemenanki, we'll see a slide in a few seconds, which means temple of the foundation of heavens and earth that's uh, the meaning of Etemenanki and you could see there, there's a, a base relief on the left side uh, and it's already enlightened, so it's easy to 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 interpret as a kind of a representation of the Etmananki and the Nebuchadnezzar uh, figure. Uh, the Etmananki was a seven-level structure with a temple on the top, and the temple has a name: the House of God. Keep that in mind. The name of that house was the house of God. That was the frontier, for the, at least for the Babylonians, that was the frontier between the heavens and the earth. This cigarette was built probably during the first Babylonian dynasty around 1800 BC, but it was rebuilt during the Nebuchadnezzar period. So let's try to use our imagination. You will be now a Judahite, and you are in the land of Babylon. The king called workers from all over the empire to rebuild the cigarette. People with different languages were working together in one place. So, when the Judahites were in Babylon, they saw that. The multiplicity of languages and the way they were building the cigarette, a temple to a false god. Judahites used to build everything with rocks rather than mud bricks as the Babylonian would. Stones were abundant in Palestine but not in Mesopotamia. And the stones communicate to them a sense of eternity. That's why in the Bible we have several examples of obedience, trust, strength using stones as a symbol. Even today, if you visit the Jew's cemetery, you will see hundreds of small rocks on each tomb because that represents eternity. The Judahites learn about the meaning of the Etemenanki, a structure full of stairs that try to communicate the heavens and the earth. So the Judahites use all this information to mock Marduk, and his temple. And they did that creating the story we have in our Bibles. They mocked those stairs and the name of the city. They even made fun of the construction materials. The Akkadian word, "Babilu" is the predecessor of the word Babel or Babel. Which means the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. Keep that in mind, please. So let me explain to you something about this word using a very, very mundane example. In the TV series Friends, which is is the responsible for my English <laughs> and is my favorite show, there's a scene when the girls were celebrating the bachelor party for Phoebe, Lisa Kuro. At the last minute, they invite a male stripper. <laughs> Officer Goodbody, played by Danny DeVito. In that scene, Officer Goodbody has a dialogue with a very, very disappointed Phoebe. Let's see the scene. <laughs> I don't care. We're not paying you $300 for this. Well, look, it's not my fault fault if you're too uptight to appreciate the male male form form in all its glory. Yeah, okay, I'm uptight. Yeah, that's that's why why I I don't want to watch a middle-aged guy dance around around in what I can only assume is a a child's Halloween costume. costume. (laughs) (laughs) I I may have borrowed this from my my nephew, (laughs) but but let let me me assure you, you, what's underneath... Is, is old, old man. man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say, did you say old, old man, man or old man? man. <laughs> this is so funny and it's perfect to illustrate my point. As you already know, the word Babel doesn't mean confusion, but the Judahites had a word that sounds similar the Hebrew word Balal, and that word means confusion. the Judahites mocked the original name making this pun when the Babylonians built the tower the Judahites heard many languages in the same place they thought this is not a good building plan this is a punishment from God they will not succeed this is confusion so this story is not the explanation for the multiplicity of languages in the world. Any linguist, any philologist knows that. This is a nation struggling. This is a nation fighting to preserve its own identity. They created this counter story to try to portray to the next generation all the things that were evil and against God in Babylon. But the Judahites did not stop mocking Babel in Genesis chapter 11. They also did that in chapter 28. It's not so obvious. You will see. Is there. It says like this. Chapter 28 verses 10 to 17. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Aran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, it would be way easier just to roll the blanket or something like that. He chose, very intentionally, a stone. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder, a ladder full of stairs set up on the earth The top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The lamb which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north. And to the south, that sounds similar to you. It's pretty much the same thing that happened in the Babel story, but with a difference. The first time was a punishment, and this time it's a promise. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the Gate of heaven. That sounds familiar to you? We were talking about the structure in Babel. House of God, gate of heaven. There are so many terms and ideas related with the first story. I mentioned earlier that the Bible shows some preference towards a nomadic lifestyle rather than the sedentary lifestyle. The life in the wilderness instead of the life in the city. And let me give you a couple more examples to to reinforce that point. In the story of Cain and Abel, God accepted the sacrifice of Abel, a shepherd, a nomad, instead of Cain, a farmer. According to Exodus, God showed his glory in the desert. And God inspired the prophet to denounce the corruption of cities like Jerusalem and its temples. And in the New Testament, there's a John the Baptist that calls the people outside the city to encounter God. And encounter the humanity that they lost, pursuing egoism instead of the connection with the neighbors. John challenged the people to repent. And then he baptized them for forgiveness. You could ask, you could ask, forgiveness? Is not forgiveness something related with the temple? They were doing something outside the boundaries of the temple that was subversive. So these couple stories, the Tower of Babel and Jacob's dream show us that the connection with God does not depend on the religious systems that our minds can articulate. He is close to us even when we have a stone as a pillow. He's there to challenge us to be a blessing to everybody. Temples, temples tend to centralize the worshipers in one place. But God's call does the opposite. Tearing down our temples to make us free, to reach out to the world with love, justice, and good news. To raise our voices for those without the voice. We are the people of God, and we are the temple. The structures, the structures are useful. But just for a while. Eventually, when we start to put our trust in the things we made, we need to tear down that tower, tear down that temple, and walk into the wilderness. It is not the most comfortable place but sometimes is what we need sometimes is what we need join me on your feet if you're able